Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, May 12th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show... I implore every Mississippian that as these small businesses reopen, take advantage of the opportunity to go back to work. The governor extends unemployment benefits for those impacted by COVID-19 while encouraging Mississippians to return to work. And agricultural supply lines are being disrupted. We examine how that affects what's on the shelf. Then, gyms are some of the latest businesses allowed to reopen. We look at how owners are handling the return. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Governor Tate Reeves is extending the unemployment benefits provided to help Mississippi workers and their families hard hit by COVID-19. In this latest executive order, Governor Reeves is waiving the one-week waiting period to receive unemployment benefits for all claims filed from March 8th to December 26th this year. Under his initial executive order, the waiting period was waived until June 27th. The announcement comes as the state continues to lift restrictions on businesses. Yesterday, Salons, barberships, and barbershops and gyms were allowed to reopen while adhering to certain health safety measures. Reeves says his administration is monitoring long-term data trends as it considers steps toward economic recovery. Uh, just because the numbers are not as high on a particular day, we're not going to celebrate. Just like when the numbers are high on a particular day, we're not going to panic. We're going to look at long-term trends. We're going to average uh, both on a three-day basis, a five-day, a seven-day rolling basis so that we have a good understanding because we realize and we know that different things affect daily number of new testing results. So fact of the matter is we are still in the middle of this fight. Uh, we still have significant challenges before us, and we as Mississippians have the responsibility to stand up, to do right, to take care of yourself, to stay strong in the face of unprecedented action and recognize that we believe we can both protect the public health of all Mississippians while at the same time recognizing that we have real challenges from an economic standpoint in this state and in this country. When we allow businesses to reopen, it is not because the risk is completely gone. If anything, it means that you need to take things even more seriously. You need to make decisions that are in the best interest of yourself, of your family, 
and of your fellow Mississippians. You need to take extra steps to keep your friends safe and extra steps to, take, to keep your neighbors safe. Even with the extended waiver on the one-week waiting period, Reeves continuously stressed the prospect of employees returning to work during his daily press briefing yesterday. He says the state must reconsider what it means to be able to work during this crisis. Mississippi is going to have to continue to evaluate and interpret able to work in the face of this new threat. What does that mean? What it means is that you must understand that if you are currently unemployed due to COVID-19, and if your employer calls you back to work, I strongly recommend that you go back to work. I do so for a number of reasons. It is true that under state law, that if you were to choose not to go back to work, you could become ineligible for those state benefits. But also, understand that the $600 a week in pandemic unemployment assistance goes away. It goes away in July. So you may say, well, that's okay. I'll figure it out in July. The fact is that this immediate economic disaster that is unfolding right now is real. If businesses try to reopen and cannot find the workforce to reopen, it is very possible, if not likely, that that business is not going to make it. It is very possible if not likely, that when you decide in June or July or August to go back to work, that that job that you are accustomed to will not be there. The national conversation continues to focus on the availability of testing. The state health department is relaxing its criteria for testing at the department's mobile testing sites in an effort to identify lesser symptoms or asymptomatic carriers. And uh, State health officer Thomas Dobbs says contact tracing will continue to play a vital role in monitoring and mitigating community transmission. The testing identifies a case. And um, we do a couple things. We determine if it's an outbreak-related case. And if it's an outbreak, which means, you know, a whole, you know, s- several cases within a common, common sort of exposure, then we have a whole different process as far as, like, doing a separate investigation. But if it's an individual that seems to be community transmission that's not traceable to a larger context, um, uh, the simple approach is um, we contact that individual, we, we, we counsel them, we do an assessment, we collect information, and we put them in an isolation order. Um, isolation order lasts, lasts for 14 days. It's a legally binding order to keep them from going in the community and exposing others, also provide them education. And then we, we find out um, who around them would be considered at-risk contacts. And we contact all of those individuals also and put them in what we call quarantine orders while we're waiting to see if they get ill. And people on quarantine orders, again, uh, will be uh, uh, 14 days on quarantine orders. Uh, we also have a mechanism where um, if people are um, if we're notified that they're not following the orders, we have a, a set of people who help inf- reinforce the need for it. Um, there haven't been any legal actions taken so far. Um, and uh, we also have um, uh, daily reminders that ha- are sent out to all of the, co- all the isolated contacts and the quarantine individuals to make sure that they're complying. 
With community transmission a persistent concern, the Mississippi Department of Health is continuing its aggressive testing strategy. Two one-day collection sites will be available tomorrow, one in Neshoba County at the Bogachita facility building in Philadelphia, the other in Sharkey County at the Rolling Fork Civic Center. Anyone experiencing symptoms related to COVID-19 or who has known or potential exposure to someone with COVID-19 is encouraged to get screened with UMMC clinicians today through the UMMC, uh, the UMMC C-Spire Health app. Coming up, agricultural supply lines are being disrupted. We examine how that affects what's on the shelf. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. As Mississippi residents walk the aisles of their local supermarkets, they may notice low supplies of their preferred agricultural products. According to Mike McCormick, president of the Mississippi Farm Bureau, the lack of variety is due to a disruption of agricultural supply chains. He tells our Kobe Vance where the breakdown is occurring and the steps the agricultural community is taking to better reach Mississippians. I think it's a severe supply chain disruption that, that's caused uh, uh, issues with the, uh, the the variety of food that you're seeing in the grocery stores. I don't think that there's a shortage, but everything that you might want to eat like we normally get, some of those uh, that variety of choices are going to be challenged. Uh, the, the COVID uh, situation has impacted the uh, the, the amount of run times that the uh, meat processors are, are being able to do. So. Some of them are at 60% capacity, some of them are more, some of them are less, uh, but it's definitely going to have an uh, uh, impact on uh, the supply of uh, beef and poultry products uh, uh, throughout the U.S., but I don't think that you're going to see a, a complete shortage of it. I just think that you, you may have to choose different varieties of what you normally do. You know, Commissioner Gibson made it an emergency order uh, eliminating the maximum number of owners for beef and uh, other meat products. Um, what do you think that's going to do for the um, for the meat industries here in Mississippi? Well, I think these are niche markets. So before, you could only have four owners of a of a of a, an animal that could be processed and legally sold in the state. It matches some federal uh, guidelines and regulations. And what he did was he took that off. So if somebody wanted to take Ownership and a family of uh, or friends of, of, of maybe ten people wanted to go in and buy uh, an animal from a farmer. They could go in and do it and have it processed. I think it's a good idea. Uh, it's going to cause a little bit of problems for the uh, processors themselves of trying to collect that money uh, from that many different people. But if they can get with the processors, make it work, find a farmer that has an animal that uh, they can sell, it will definitely expand. Uh, uh, smaller shares and, and, be, and allow people that maybe didn't have the freezer space or the amount of, uh, of money that it would take to buy that such large quantity of beef uh, to be able to buy some locally owned product. I think it's good for our Mississippi farmers, and I think it's good for our citizens here in the state. And how do you think that's going to play in with um, the new Mississippi Farm Marketplace? 
Well, I think you can do that on there as well. There's, uh, there's uh, other things that can be put on there. If you've got locally owned grown honey that you want to put on there so people in the state uh, can uh, know that uh, they can go to your place and buy that, uh, that'll be on there. Uh, there's a vast array of anything that can be put on there that'll be uh, genuine Mississippi products that uh, uh, people around the state can locate that was grown in the state uh, that they may not be fa- able to find in their grocery stores, but uh, they can find uh, that a farmer is uh, is uh, having it on his farm. Like you like you said a little while ago, it's, it's the supply chain that's an issue, so it's really hard for us to have all of this product going to, um, to, to restaurants, and now all of a sudden they're all closed. It's just not as easy to snap your fingers and have all of that come into a grocery store or being delivered to somebody's home. And that's that's the problem that we've had. We've actually got an oversupply of some of uh, some products and uh, not, not being able to find a market or a way to get it into the, the places that they need to get it into. So if we can publicize uh, what Commissioner Gibson's done on a portal uh, to let, the, uh, let our citizens here of the state know where they can find uh, locally grown products that were grown or, or raised by a Mississippi farmer, I think it uh, it uh, helps that supply chain just a little bit. Now, I know most Mississippians um, get all their grocery shopping done at like a Kroger's or a, a Walmart, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, what's the benefits of having this new opportunities to buy directly from farmers? Well, it, it could be sold into grocery stores. So what we're trying to do is get a uh, some processing plants uh, that could expand or, or up and running that, that could be USDA inspected. And if we can get that USDA inspection done, then you could not only sell it to somebody uh, through a uh, uh, through a meat shop uh, that, that may be in your local community, but those uh, farmers could also possibly send their uh, livestock or their, their cattle to uh, one of these processing facilities that the USDA inspected. They could actually sell it to a, a, a national grocery store. It could show up there. And I think there's some interest uh, talking to Commissioner Gibson from uh, some of the national um, grocery store chains of having something like that done. I know they're doing it in other states. We're hearing that in some other states that they're they're putting cattle producers together and doing some local expansions on processing plants and then national uh, food chains are coming in and, and buying that product and actually using that there in their own state. So, uh, I think it would be good for Mississippi to follow along the same lines. And so what's next for Mississippi? Are there any other big hurdles we still have to face as we go through this um, time of pandemic? Well, you know, it's a, this is a new world that we're living in. I don't know that anybody knows the answers of when this is going to be over with or or what's next uh, that's coming down the, the pike. It's a, it's a lot of things going on. We're, we're watching over uh, a lot of the issues that are coming up and giving our advice on what would help farmers here in the state. Uh, certainly, uh, they're all running uh, small businesses, and some of the small businesses are very large with the amount of money that they're they're spending and running through that. But uh, I think everyone is a little bit nervous of what, what may come in the fall uh, as far as uh, what the economy looks like, uh, what the demand on the market's going to be from, for all of our uh, commodities, uh, not just uh, the, the beef and, and poultry side of things, but all of them. I guess we'll know uh, more about it uh, come this fall. But we'll, we're uh, engaged at Farm Bureau and working on these issues and uh, for our farmers every day. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Mike McCormick is the president of the Mississippi Farm Bureau. Coming up, gyms are some of the latest businesses allowed to reopen. We look at how owners are handling the return. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows, 
or want to simply hear it again? You can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Along with salons and barbershops, Mississippi gyms are open again. Of a, under Governor Tate Reeves' revised order, gyms across the state reopened their doors this after nearly two months of being forced to close. Gyms, like other recently opened businesses, have to follow certain health safety guidelines like limited capacity. For Laura Harris and her husband, the governor's restrictions fall in line with their gym's practices before it was forced to close. She speaks with our Alexandra Watts. Before we were mandated to close by the governor, we actually had had put into place um, several procedures already by ourselves, you know, to protect our our customers um we were already you know cleaning um after people asking people to make sure they wipe their equipment down before and after before the mandate we were limiting it to 10 people at a time and um and we had you know the alcohol-based hand sanitizer and wipes that's everything that we you know kept in hand anyway um but with the new mandates our capacity is 30%, which, you know, are with a 10,000 square foot building, it, that's quite a few people. But we have just kind of set the limit at like at 30. Um, we, our building could hold more than that because it is large, but, um, but 30 people at a time. And do you think, I know business owners across the country, there are different sides on this. Do you think, at least for Mississippi, that this reopening, do you think it came too early? Do you think that it came too late and you should have been able to open earlier? Or do you think this is the right time? How are you feeling right now? I don't feel like it was too soon because there were things that we were already doing, um, you know, to keep it, to, to keep to keep our equipment and um, clean, to keep our members safe. We were already very, you know, monitoring that. I do feel like we probably could have stayed open and not been forced to close. And our gym, um, the people that actually work out together, they come in together. So they're they're at home anyway with each other, you know. And so I don't think, I, I think, them actually getting something from a gym from a total stranger is very um, is is not as likely as it as it is from the person that they came in the door with. But they're they're already they're probably at home with each other, you know. So that so a gym is not to me isn't one of the places that huge outbreaks could take. Not a properly taken care. Um, of gym, I should say. So. Um, I also wanted to ask, I know for places like restaurants and some of the other like local retail stores, when they were closed or they couldn't operate at full capacity, there were gift cards that people could order and people were encouraging that. Um, with your gym, I saw that you can get prepaid memberships. Are there other things like that available um, to still support your local business during this time, like gift cards and things like that? Yes, yes, we have um we have gift cards available which um I had I had 
people um, buy them for it was a great it's a great gift for a senior graduating high school that's still going to be around um, around our gym um, like going to college or um, around here the the people that buy those memberships I have found are, are farmers because uh, you know they typically are in the field this time of year so from from now until June or July they're in the field but then they can um, come back in the gym from July to they start harvesting and then harvesting we don't see them again and then they come back during the winter so uh, they work really well for also for our college students that are here um, they're not always you know not, they're not here 12 months out of the year so we do offer those types of memberships and we always do um, just because they work really well for our community where we where we are. Laura Harris and her husband own Delta Sports and Fitness in Cleveland. In Gulfport, Joff Clark's gym, Bayou View Fitness, is also open. He says while patrons are eager to come back, questions remain regarding any potential financial assistance. Back in the beginning of April, when the governor had told us to close down, uh, a lot of our customers, you know, they were just heartbroken and, and you know, they, they're workout fanatics, so they want to come to the gym as much as possible. And unfortunately, with us having to completely close at that time, you know, they were unable to do so. So they've been chomping at the bit to, you know, get back into their workout routine and and kind of take it from there. Now, when somebody comes to your gym and works out, are there any special things that they need to do? The members do not have to wear masks. The the, the members do have to uh, space themselves, you know, six feet apart when they're doing their workouts. And um, we require that they, uh, you know, we have hand sanitizer right at the front door. So they're required to use hand sanitizer when they come in the gym. And then they are also required to use hand sanitizer when they leave. Now, we're also recommending that, you know, they clean down the machines. And everybody today was doing that. Everyone was, you know, cleaning the machines behind them. We have our trainers that are cleaning them. We're cleaning them. So, you know, we're really taking a lot of extra precautions to make sure that happens. But there's really no requirements as far as our gym members go that, you know, that they are responsible for any of that. Um, I'm curious, is anything from the CARES Act, is that able, is any, are any of those funds able to go to fitness studios and gyms or? Well, I, I do, I, I understand the governor is going to put some towards uh, some, um, you know, hair salons and stuff like that. The, the problem that I particularly have is, is that the only actual uh, employees at our gym are my wife and I. We have independent contractors, we have trainers that come in, but they're independent contractors. So although they're working out and training people at our gym, they get paid directly and uh, you know we really don't have anything uh, to do with that. So we actually didn't really get an opportunity to claim a lot of those, a lot of those funds because they just weren't available because we really don't pay ourselves a wage. We have you know, several businesses, but we don't pay ourselves a wage out of the gym. So it was, it was tough for us because we really didn't get you know, basically nothing for the last, what, four or five weeks. So we were really ready for this thing to open. Um, do you know or do you really have an idea on when things are going to go back to normal? I don't really know if we'll ever really go back to normal. But when do you expect things to, like a shift? I don't think everything's going to go 100% back to the way that it was. I hope and pray that it goes back at least somewhat close to the way it was. And that the economy comes back. But I think we have got a new normal now. I think people are going to be more careful as far as, you know, touching, handshaking, um, you know, washing their hands. I think that, in fact, I think we're going to get healthier. I think that this probably is a good thing because I think overall people will 
take up, you know, habits now because of this virus that they ordinarily would not have, have taken up. And I think that that's actually going to have help to protect people in the future. Obviously, everybody feels differently about, you know, how this virus is affected. There's some people that are scared to death that want to stay home and that, you know, other people want to get their businesses going and, and, and you know, can't wait and, and, you know, forget the risks. Well, at least myself, I believe that somewhere in the middle is the right answer, but I don't think we have the right to tell anyone what the answer is or is. And I think if you're in a situation where you think you might be at risk, well, I would encourage you to stay home. I would encourage you to use all of the, the uh, facilities and everything else at your fingertips that you can, in fact, you know, get your food delivered and do whatever you have to do to protect yourself. And I understand that. And if you have underlying conditions or you're elderly, well, absolutely. But on the other hand, people that are healthy, people that have a good, strong immune system that can get out and, you know, go to work and earn a living and all of that, I think that is hugely important as well. Joff Clark owns Bayou View Fitness in Gulfport. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.